it is, uh, it is the season of Christmas, and one of the stories of Christmas that too often gets sort of folded in to last week's reading, or, or at least in our minds it gets folded in, is, uh, you know, you know uh, there are angels that tell Mary and Joseph, there's going to be a baby, right? You got that. There's going to be a baby that's born. And then, and then they travel to Bethlehem because of uh, a tax census, a uh, registration, you know, and we get that part. And then the baby's born, and they name him, and then there are uh, shepherds and angels and all of that. But then too often, and it even happened a couple weeks ago in that video, too often um, you go right into uh, that at the same night or the same day or that same week that that three wise men show up, right? You know what I'm talking about? The three wise men show up, but we got to back up and say, well, no, the Bible never says it's three, and it really doesn't at all suggest that it happened that night, and it didn't happen necessarily that day, and it didn't happen necessarily that week. It it happened soon after, um, but it might have been up to a year uh, after that, uh, that, that it happened, and this is the story. It's actually the church's appointed reading for, uh, for this, the, uh, the second Sunday of Christmas. I uh, invite you to turn in your Bibles, to follow along the screens, to look in your devices. I'm reading from the Common English Bible. It's Matthew chapter 2. It says, after Jesus was born, so that's kind of helpful, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the territory of Judea, during the rule of King Herod, magi, which has often been translated as as wise men, uh, it wouldn't have meant kings, it wouldn't have meant rulers, it would have more meant like, uh, like, 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 like scholars or academics that studied stars. Wise men, magi, came from the east to Jerusalem. They ask, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. He gathered all the chief priests and the legal experts and asked them where the Christ was to be born. They said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. You, Bethlehem, land of Judah... By no means are you least among the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people Israel. My notes point out that this is, uh, this is both uh, Micah 5 and 2 Samuel. So this is predicted that Bethlehem would be the site of the birth of this one who was anticipated and that the people were waiting on. Now, verse 7 says, Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the time when the star had first appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search carefully for the child. When you found him, report to me so that I too may go and honor him. Everybody, look at me. He's a big fat liar, okay? Are we cool with that? (laughs) He's a big fat liar. There are a few big fat liars in the world. Herod makes the list of history. He had no intention of doing that. We'll see that. It says, when they heard the king, they went. And look, the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. Falling to their knees, they honored him. They opened their treasure chest and presented him with gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh that's where we get the fact that that it would be three kings is because there were three gifts but it it didn't have to have been that it could have been more or less 
because they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod. They went back to their own country by another route. This, this is the word of God for we, the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God, indeed. They, uh, th- they followed a star is what the scripture says. But, uh, but just to be clear, and it's, and it's worth being clear because we all want to, we all want to read the I want I want us to all read the Bible in a way that makes sense to us. I would never want us to read the Bible and have to suspend our brains. You with me on that? Because I, I don't I don't think that that's the intent, and I don't think that's helpful, and I think that gets I think that gets us in trouble. There are people in America, there are people in the world that uh, that have that have quit on the Bible. People have quit on the Bible, and and it's. It's partly because someone has told them, oh, no, 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 you can't approach the Bible with your brain turned on. You've got to approach it with just your heart or something sappy like that. But, but, but there's more to it. God gave us these brains and gave us these hearts, and I believe he wants us to use both of them. See, they, they followed a star, but it doesn't say, it, it doesn't say, and it doesn't intend to say, that, that somehow uh, on any given night they were following a star and the star was moving in the sky with them. We know it, we know it doesn't mean that because guess what? That's not how stars work, right? I mean, no, we're not talking about shooting stars. We're talking about like a, a, a stationary star that all of a sudden starts moving. When you start moving, that stars Stars don't do that. They don't pass each other any given night. They move from night to night, but they don't, like, it doesn't start over there and then end up over there just because you move with it and then everything else stays in the same place. That's not how stars work. We know that, and they would have known that too. That, that's, that's, that's not how stars work. And then, and then that second reference to the star after they've gotten to Bethlehem actually um, probably referred to, to a star that they had been keeping up with that might have been new to them and had appeared and that uh and that it would have appeared related to uh the constellation scorpio what's fascinating is in the ninth century before christ in the ninth century uh before christ the the uh uh this early persian or zoroastrian astrology actually listed out like 12 constellations or they called them houses and that the that the fifth house had to do with children or nativities you can you can read a lot of this stuff there's a there's a link that appears on our facebook page today you can read more about this in a uh, in a great article written by a methodist preacher that i know um taylor burton edwards that uh that talks about what uh, what's really going on with these Persian wise men and the stars they're following? But they are they are essentially astrologers, and they believe that they can read the stars in such a way and tell certain things have happened. And I don't know; uh, it's it's been thirty years since I read a horoscope. I, if you still read horoscopes, good luck with that. All right. Um, I mean, but it's been thirty years since since I ever read. A, I, I, I don't. I don't do that, and I don't believe that those are helpful. But back then, they believed it was helpful. These folks who were not Hebrew that, that didn't necessarily follow the one true God, but but God used these stars to get them to the right place, which was first Jerusalem, so that they could ask the right people, who would then send them to Bethlehem, and they end up there, and they find themselves in a house. And there's a baby that's been born. And, and Mary, something would have surely had to have given something away when they got there. 
and all of the things that had happened at his birth and before his birth, and then these guys walk up with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I mean, you can turn to your neighbor and tell a story about the last time somebody walked up to you and knocked on your house door and said, here's some gold and some frankincense and myrrh, or forget the rest of the stuff, here's just some gold, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, yeah, that happens all the time. <coughs> yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Mary, Mary would have just, if, if, she was a, if she was a journaling diary keeper person, she would have just logged this in the diary and said, and then there was today, <laughs> right? But this is, this is a part of the collection of the stories that the church has kept to say that this one who was born on this day changed history. Changed history. Thinking about wise men and thinking about them following a star brings up for me two questions that I'd like to spend a moment with. The, the first question is, how do you search for things? How do, you, how do you search for things? I haven't seen any of you on my street walking, gazing at the stars, so I'm thinking that the stargazing thing is out. How do you search for things? In, in 1999, on the West Coast, a, a group of folks... Uh, took the internet and um, invented a little website. It was just real simple at first, and uh, it was called Google. And, um, and uh, that first year um, uh, of, of using Google, they, uh, they had, um, I, I want to say it was like 50,000 searches a month. Google was getting 50,000 searches a month. In fact, in fact it, took, uh, it took one month in the first year for the Google website, they, they use the, 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 the term crawl. It took one month to crawl the entire Internet, and they were able to locate and connect by sort of dots 50 million pages. It took one month for Google in the year 1999 to search the Internet and determine that there were 50 million pages. In the year 2012, it took Google uh, one minute to find 50 million pages because Google and the internet got a lot faster in the point in the in the matter of 13 years. Google now processes 40,000 searches every second. 40,000 searches every second, which adds up to be 3.5 billion searches per day and about 1.2 trillion searches per year worldwide. 1.2 trillion searches per year. And, and here's a fascinating thing. That's a lot of searches. Everybody can nod your head. Say, thought. Here's a fascinating thing. Between 16 and 20 percent, I don't know where you get that stat from, but it's on the internet, so it must be, everybody say it with me. Absolutely, right? I actually looked this up on Google, right, okay. Between 16 and 20 percent of the searches that are asked at any given moment, have never been asked before. That's a big number. One, one out of every five searches, one out of every six searches that, that's being typed into Google or spoken into Google or what's next? A little chip inside of our head. Don't, don't, don't go there. Don't go there. One out of every six has never been 
asked before, which, which I think is an entire sermon on itself, and the, that the world is so massively changing that every day and a day after that and a day after that, people are looking for stuff that didn't exist before that. That's, that's fascinating. And then the, the last little note, which some of you might find interesting, is that, that each query has to travel on average 1,500 miles to a data center and then back for the answer to come. 1,500 miles. Um, that would be, I don't know, that'd be, that'd be to Texas and back or so. 700-something um, miles back. Everybody thinks, yeah, Texas, yeah, hook them horns. Um, that'd, be, uh, that'd be to Texas and back. Um, every, uh, and, and it, takes, uh, it takes Google exactly two-tenths of a second to respond with an answer, two-tenths of a second. But the thing is, that Google is not the only way to search for things. I mean, you can, you, can, you can ask someone for directions. You can ask someone for help. You can, some people have gone on trips to find information. Some people have, some people read books to learn things. Some people pray. Which brings up the question, the second question, and that is what is it that you're searching for? It just so happens that Google has an answer for that too. Can you can you throw that on the screen? Um, it's kind of small. Uh, I'll help you out with it. Um, these are Google Trends for the year 2016. So these are literally up to the second updated. Google Trends, the top 10 major searches over here on the left for, uh, for the United States of America in the year 2016. Number one, Powerball. Powerball. And the fascinating thing about it, Google, is that it's actually pointed out to me which one of you in the room actually searched for that. And we'll talk later about how that actually doesn't work out in the long run. Um, number two, Prince. He, he passed away this year. Hurricane Matthew, Pokemon Go, Slither.io. That's a game, right? That's like the one I don't know on the list. Is that a game? Okay, cool. Is it fun? Okay, good, good, says the youth minister. <laughs> uh, the Olympics, David Bowie. Trump, election, and Hillary Clinton. You see some others over there. And there's more to the screen. I just, I just captured a little bit of it. Um, there's more to the screen. Actresses, athletes, news. Now, now, at least a dozen of you holy, holy, pious people in the room are like, well, if you can look up what's trending and what's popular, then, then why don't you show us what's really important? Can you show us that screen? This is the history of since 2004 of the number of searches that people in the United States have entered in for the topic Jesus. Anybody want to guess what the spikes are? Christmas and Easter. Christmas and Easter. That's what the spikes are. Every Christmas and every Easter since 2004, more people search for Jesus in the United States. It's on a scale of 0 to 100. 
it's um, this is as compared to other searches, which means that there are some searches that are hitting 100 on a regular basis, and Jesus is not one of them. Two questions. How do you search for things? And what are you searching for? How do you search for things? And what are you searching for? I think the real church answer is the same for both. I, I think there, 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 there was a search engine invented before 99, and for that matter, before anybody kept time. I, I think the original God-ordained search engine is the Holy Spirit. And I think the Holy Spirit is not only the method by which we search, but it's but it's also it's also the deliverer of what we're searching for. I'm, I'm not giving you I'm not giving you some Sunday school like flannel graph. Jesus is always the answer. Kind of kind of statement here. I I, I believe that if you're hurting. You go to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gives you the unique answer you need, which, which for you might be different than it is for me, and it might be different for you today than it is, than it is for you, but, it, but it's of the Holy Spirit, and it's right. And it doesn't come with any ads on the right side. Now, God never promised that it comes back in two-tenths of a second. Anybody ever had to wait? Longer than that for a prayer to get answered? Anybody? I, I, think, I think the Holy Spirit and, and seeking out God's guidance, I think that's the method that we are called on to search. And, and I think it delivers back to us that which we are looking for that God wants us to find. I'd, I'd like to give you a little help to get started in the new year with that. Would that be all right? It's, it's, it's how I'd like to close. I um, I, I've got uh, I got a little. I don't know if it's a it's, I don't know if it's a bookmark or if it's something you want to tape to your mirror. Um, in your bathroom, I don't know if it's uh, something you want to put next to you. Don't hide it, but put it next to you on the end table or at your kitchen table, wherever you go for prayer, wherever you are uh, are, are pausing long enough. But it's uh, it's it's known as John Wesley's Covenant Prayer, and I um uh, I, I've got a, a copy right here. We've got them for the screens um, for you to see as well, and then um and then and then Clay and Matt are going to be passing them. Uh, passing them out to you when you walk out. Um, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, uh, wrote this prayer. It's included in, uh, in some of the services that Methodists uh, participate in. I'm offering it to you here today, I think, as a great way to start the year, a great way to, to engage the Holy Spirit to, to help you to find what you're searching for as the year starts.